let me just first say how so, so excited I am that you guys are all here and that Gold Rush is finally here because let's be honest, this is really the best week of our summer. So like I said, my name is Emily Stone and I want to start off... I want to start off tonight with just a couple of facts about myself. So I am the youngest of two sisters, and my family, I think we might have a picture, that's us and a fire, and um, and those are my two older sisters, my brother-in-law, and I grew up like right down the road there. I could run to my house and come back here in like five minutes. And um, I went to elementary and middle school in Perimeter School, which is a teeny tiny, we got some eagles out there, (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, Um, which is a little school inside of this really, really big building. Um, I also grew up and I um, really, really loved animals. We always, always had pets in my house. I think I have a picture. That's my little puppy Daisy. And well, she's not really a puppy. I think she's like, 12, so she's kind of getting up there, but she's still a puppy to me, and I love her so, so much. Um, I also grew up, and I had two creeks in my backyard, and I would spend just about every day of my childhood back there in those creeks, just finding some kind of animal, um, playing in mud. I think I have a picture. That's me in mud. I'm on the left, so I wasn't really into Barbies that much. I just covered myself in mud instead. So anyways, I would always come back from the creek with some, you know, bucket of tadpoles or a turtle that I put in a cardboard box and poke some holes in the top and give it some lettuce every couple of hours or a frog that um, I would keep for a couple of days until I just put it back in the creek or something like that. And uh, we would almost always put it back except for this one time, my sister, she had these two frogs and they were like, these little dime-sized things. They were really weird, really gross, and they lived in our bathroom for, it felt like, years and years. And um, I was going to look up a picture to show you guys just how bizarre these little frogs were. But instead, I came across this story that, or not this story, but this other frog who's really, really bizarre. And I just really had to share it with you guys because it's really strange. And I'm going to show you guys a video But just to um, kind of lead up to it, it's about this toad called the pebble toad. And you can't tell in the video, but he is like that big, no no bigger than a quarter. And he can't hop, which is kind of a weird thing (coughs) because, excuse me, because he's a frog. So you would think, you know, frogs can hop, but he can't. And he lives on these cliffs in the Amazon. And uh, um, he has one natural predator, and it's this really creepy tarantula that you're going to see in the video. And he can't hop away from it, but he finds a different method of escape. (laughs) I think that that's pretty insane, that this frog has this super bizarre, bizarre instinct to basically turn itself into a rubber ball and just bounce down a cliff to get away really fast from this tarantula. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. And not frogs, not that weird little toad, but creation. And particularly the way that we were created. So let me open us up with just a word of prayer, if you guys will bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for Gold Rush, and I just thank you for the people that are here and for um, the reasons that you brought them here, because each person has a different story and a different reason that they're here. And God, I pray that they would walk away with this week with some sort of truth that's totally, completely from you. And God, I pray for my nerves that you would calm them. And I just really pray that everything that I'm saying tonight would be your words and not mine, God that everything that I say that's completely from me would just be forgotten from their mind. But God, if it's from you, that it would stick and it would stay in their minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, 
God put a lot of thought into creation, right? I mean, we can see with this weird little frog and every detail of the earth and um, every process and every natural cycle is all created by God. And um, in Genesis, it goes through and it talks about the story of creation. And it says, you know, the first day God made the sun and he made light and he said, this is good. And then he made the seas and the oceans and he looks at it and he says, this is good. He makes the plants and the birds and the animals and every living thing. And he looks at it all and he says, this is good. But on the last day, it says that he made man. And he looks at man and he says, this is very good. And I don't think that God uses this word very lightly. I think that he says that we are very good because we are made in his image. And he has put some of his characteristics and some of his attributes in us so that in a way we are like God. We are in his image. So that's what I want to focus on tonight. Just really three of the ways that we are made in the image of God. Three of the ways that we are a little bit like God. So the first thing is that we were made for creativity. So we can see that God is creative. You know, you look outside and you see everything. And when you really, truly believe that God is the creator and designer of every single thing, that's really, really incredible. And I think that this is so, so often overlooked. And I know that I'm guilty of this. Um, I was given night one and creation to talk to y'all about. And I just sort of dreaded it just a little bit because... In my mind, everyone has sort of heard the story of creation. They hear that God created the earth and it was good and all of that. And I think the harm in hearing it so many times is that when you hear creation is beautiful over and over again, the beauty sort of becomes mundane. You know, you walk outside every day and you see creation and you don't really think anything of it. So for Christmas, along with about a million other five-year-olds this past year, I asked for a bicycle, and every morning this summer, I would take my bike out, and I would drive it to this path, and um, it followed this really big creek, and there were all these animals around and all these trees, and um, it's a really, really beautiful place where I would take my bike. But every morning, it was my routine, and it was so mundane that all of this beauty just went totally, completely overlooked by me. And so one day... I was on my bicycle, and I was turning this really sharp corner, and I literally had to slam on my brakes because about from me to the first row right there was this huge doe, the biggest doe that I've ever seen. And she was just standing in the path, and she looked over at me, and she wasn't spooked at all. She just stood there, and she wouldn't move. So eventually I lost. I just turned around, and I went the other way. But the point is that this doe could not be ignored. And I think that's what God gives us sometimes. He kind of slaps us in the face with the beauty of his creation. He says, here it is. I created this, and it can't be ignored. And maybe you've had that before. Maybe you look at a super starry night, or you learn about a weird new frog and some weird instinct, and you think, man, God is cool that he created all of this, that he is the designer. And maybe you get that. Maybe you see the beauty in creation, and that's something that really does resonate with you. And you see, yes, God is good, and you see it in the mountains, and you see it in the trees and in the stars, and you look at it, and you say, man, God is great, and his creation is good. But do you believe that you are very good? Because that's what's really incredible, is that this creation and God's creativity that he used to make absolutely everything, that same creativity is in us. So don't overlook the the creation because it's just a testament to how creative God has actually made us. So in Genesis 2, 19, it says, 
Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was its name. And I love the way that this verse presents the power of God. You know, it just says, out of the ground, God made every living creature. Like, it's as simple as that. But really, out of the ground, out of nothing, God made every living creature. You know, he picked up a little ball of dust and put it over here, and he said, you are going to be a lion. And he just spoke it into existence. And he picked up a little bitty ball, and he put it over here, and he said, you are going to be a frog, and you are going to turn into a rubber ball. I mean, he formed everything out of absolutely nothing. And he brings every living creature to man. You know, not that man has to go out and find them, hunt them down, give them a name. But God has all the power in the world, all the power over this creation to bring every animal in front of man and, you know, line them up. And he looks at man and he says, name them. And whatever it is that man calls them, that was its name. And the point is that he gave man freedom and creativity over this. Whatever he called them was his name. And with that naming of these animals comes a sort of responsibility. Because we know when we name something, it gives us some sort of power, some sort of responsibility over it. Just like how I would bring home a turtle from the creek, give it a name, and it made it my responsibility to keep it alive. Or you have a pet, and you have, um, you, you know, my little dog Daisy, and I've named her, and that makes her my responsibility to take her out and feed her, whatever it is. And your parents, your parents, they name you, and that makes you their responsibility. It makes you theirs. There's power in naming something. It gives us responsibility. It gives us what God calls dominion over the animals. So what is it in your life that allows you to be creative? Maybe it's art. Maybe you can create something that is totally original and totally you. Or maybe it's in athletics, and God has given you the ability to see the field in a way that no one else really can. Whatever it is that you are creative with, whatever your talents and your gifts are, whatever it is that you claim to be yours, God has given you creativity in that and freedom with that, but he's also given you a responsibility over it. And in the beginning, this creativity that God put in us and the responsibility that we had, it was perfect. Adam lived in the garden and he took care of the creation and he took care of the animals and all of our creativity was perfect and all of it was good. The second way that we are made in the image of God is that we were made for community. So in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And this verse is really super confusing because that really doesn't make a lot of sense when you read it. But the word that it's talking about right now is Jesus. It's saying that Jesus was with God in the very beginning, before the earth was created. And it presents us with this whole idea of the Trinity, which is really a confusing thing to wrap your mind over around. Um, But it's, you know, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are separate, but somehow they're all together. They're in this community within each other. And it even says in Genesis that we created the heavens and the earth, and he's talking about his community. And guys, what I want you guys to know is that even the God of the universe, he wasn't created to be alone. He was created for community, and he created us for community. And that's the second way that we are made in the image of God. You know, God said it's not good for man to be alone after he made Adam. And so he said that he would make him a suitable helper. And so he 
you know, took one of his ribs, as um, it goes in Genesis, and he formed woman. He formed Eve. And just a testament to the fact that we are made for community is the way that man and women work are very different, as we know. And, you know, man is made with power and um, with, um, you know, power. And woman is made with <laughs> power and power. That's all the guys have. <laughs> and women <laughs> are made with a nurturing and caring um, aspect to them. And guys' power and women's nurture, they sort of complete each other. And they, they sort of um, put together the image of God. And another thing that um, we can use as a testament to the reason that we were made for community is that feeling that it gives you, that feeling that you have when you are in a community that's uplifting and that you grow in. And for me, this comes um, about every, well, a lot of times, but um, mostly when I go on this trip with my friends and uh, we go to middle of nowhere, Georgia, and there is really not much to do there. There's a pond and there's some trees and there's a field and we spend a couple of days there and all that we do is we just enjoy each other's company you know we'll you know in the trees and we'll just talk or we'll stay up late and look at the stars and we'll just be encouraging each other and growing with each other in this place and you have this feeling inside that this community is good and this community is right it's what we were created for so what is it that gives you that feeling of community? Who is it that you're surrounded with that makes you feel like this is good and this is right? You know, maybe it's a sleepover with your friends where you guys stay up all night and uh, you just talk all through the night and you get to know each other's hearts. Or maybe it's with a team. You know, maybe you have a weird bond with your team and it's kind of, you can't really explain it because you trust these people and you hold each other accountable and you just know that this is good and that this is what I was created for. So I want to introduce a movie clip, and uh, it kind of is an example of maybe what life would look like if we were totally stripped from our community. And so to introduce it, um, it's a clip from the movie Castaway, and uh, got some Castaway fans. (laughs) Um, So the star in this movie is Tom Hanks, and he was in a plane crash, and Everyone on the plane has died, and he has ended up on this island, and he is all by himself, and he has learned to survive there for almost five years, and he has been totally stripped of community, totally isolated, and this is the point where it leads him. So, (laughs) Tom Hanks has gone pretty insane, and if you haven't seen the movie, this clip will be kind of confusing because Wilson, the thing that he is in the water screaming over and just agonizing over, um, he is a volleyball. And uh, he has put a face on him. And for these past couple years, Tom Hanks has made Wilson into this um, community, sort of, so to speak. And he talks to him like he's a, just a regular person. And prior to this clip, he gets really angry with him. And he kicks him out of his cave. And he realizes what he's done. And he is just totally, totally distraught over it. And I think we sort of do that sometimes. You know, we cling on to whatever community it is that we have. And... Uh, When we're without it, we feel like we're going a little crazy. And even if it's not a good or a healthy community, we we don't let go of that. Because without it, we know that that's not good and that we're not going to be okay. Because being alone is not what God calls us to. I feel like there's this stigma in America that it's good to be independent. And that if I'm alone and I can do everything on my own and I can make all this money on my own and live on my own, 
then that's good. And that means that I've done something right. And that means that I have some sort of power. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to a community, to a community with each other. And uh, that's what it is to, to be in a community, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and to be holding each other accountable and to be growing together. A long time ago, there were these priests, and they were called priests on a hill. And what they did was they picked up a couple of things, and they left their family and friends, and they said, okay, I am going to go up on this hill, and I'm going to live there for the rest of my life until I die, and it's just going to be me and God up there. And everyone looked at these priests, and they said, man, are they holy. Man, I could never do that. I am not that kind of Christian. But I would imagine that after a couple of years, the priests on a hill ended up a little bit like Tom Hanks and Castaway. I think that they would go a little crazy without this community because that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to be in a community with each other, to share with each other, and to get to know the depths of each other's hearts. And in the beginning, before sin, this community was perfect between each other. And even more than that, we had perfect community with God. It says in Genesis that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and talked to them just as easy as I'm talking to you guys right now. And that's pretty insane. And in the very beginning, this community was perfect, and this community was good. And the third way that I want to focus on, the third and last, is that we were made for rest. God made us for perfect rest in him. God created the earth in six days, and it says on the seventh day, he rested. Part of God is that he rests, and he commands us to do the same. And even before Moses went up on the mountain and God wrote down the Ten Commandments in um, those stones. He commands us to rest in the very, very beginning, years and years and years before that. And I think that just goes to show just how important rest is to us. So, okay, how many of you guys have an iPhone, smartphone, anything? Raise your hand. Just about everyone. So... (laughs) Um, Our phones are pretty complex. They can kind of do a lot, right? They know a lot, and we depend on them for a lot of things. So what is it that you guys, when you go to bed at night, what is it that you have to do with your phones? You have to charge them. That's right. Um, So if our phones are as complex as they are, and you can imagine that they are just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction as complex as our minds are and as complex as we are, and they need to be recharged every single night, don't you think that we need that same kind of rest? And I'm not just talking about sleep. I'm talking about how we were made to run to God on the Sabbath, how Sundays are set aside for God to stop from our work and to run to him and to rest in him. And even more than that, to cast our anxieties and cast our burdens and the things that we're struggling with, we can put them on him so that we can rest in him. And in the beginning, before we sinned, this rest was perfect, and this rest was good. So what do we know so far? (laughs) We know that we are made in the image of God and that he created us with perfect creativity, perfect community, and perfect rest. But let's be honest. We know that it's not perfect and that it's not good. I know when I look at everything in my life, I absolutely know that it's not perfect and it's not good. Our creativity is flawed. And I was watching this documentary 
um, in my environmental class, and it's called The Cove, and it's the worst movie I've ever had to watch in my life. I was forced to watch it, and um, it's about this place in Japan where they call in these dolphins with this new technology that they have, and uh, every morning they'll trap them in with this net, and then they'll go out, and they will kill hundreds and hundreds of dolphins every day, and they'll fake their meat as whale meat, and um, They'll sell it to people as for more money because I guess whale meat is a delicacy in other parts of the world. But guys, I can't show you pictures from this movie because every morning, this little cove, the water in it, is turned solid red from the blood of all of these dolphins that they've killed. And I absolutely know that that's not what God meant when he gave us responsibility and power over, the, over his creation and over the animals. And the creativity that he puts in us is distorted too, Right? I mean, we can be pretty dang creative when we're coming up with some sort of lie, this elaborate story all just to deceive someone, or some creative way to cheat on your next test. And we know that our creativity is not perfect, and our creativity is not good. And our community, our community is so, so broken. Maybe you have a friend that you've lost from an argument, or parents who have gotten divorced, Or maybe just your current community of friends you know is not healthy and not leading you down the wrong path. And we absolutely know that our community is not good and that it's not perfect. And our rest, our rest hardly exists anymore. You know, we keep working and we keep striving and we just go on and on and on and on. And we don't keep the Sabbath holy. We don't go to God on Sundays. And we tell ourselves if we just endure a little longer on whatever struggle we're going through, whatever path that we're on, if we just work a little harder to make our anxiety go away, then somehow it'll all stop. Somehow it'll all come to some resolution, but it won't. And we keep on going and we don't rest in God and we end up completely broken, completely collapsed because of it. And guys, I'm sure you've been wondering about this tower over here, this kind of looming Jenga piece. And uh, this tower is a representation of how in the very beginning, we were created with all of these different attributes, all of all these different things, and it was perfect. But when we look at our lives now, we know that it doesn't line up all neat and orderly like that tower. So we don't, we don't use our creativity well, and we don't use our community well. And our rest, like I said, it doesn't really exist because we are a generation where we work and we work and we work And we just keep on going. We keep ourselves so busy. We don't even know what to do with our downtime. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But we know that our rest isn't perfect and that our rest isn't good. So what now? We know that we are made in the image of God and that all of these things were perfect. But we also know, because we see it every single day, that it's not perfect. And Maybe you feel just a little stuck in that, a little stuck in the brokenness. And maybe you're like me, and you look at what it was, and you see that it was perfect, and you absolutely know that it's not perfect anymore, and you just kind of get bogged down and depressed by that and just think, well, there's nothing I can do, so why should I try? Or maybe, yes, you see that it was perfect, and maybe you know that, no, it's not perfect anymore, and there's nothing that I can do to get back to that perfect state. So... I'm just going to keep on walking in sin just a little bit. I'm just going to 
you know, drink at this party one more time or just smoke with my friends this one more time or go just one step further with my boyfriend because there's no way that I'm getting back to this perfect state. There's this longing in us that says that this is not the way that the world should be, that it should be perfect and it's not. But I want to call you guys this week to get unstuck, so to speak. And I want you guys to do that by calling out what it is that makes us the image of God because that's pretty dang cool. You know, when someone is being creative in a missions project, call it out because that's the image of God. Or when someone is in your small group and they're being vulnerable and sharing with um, you guys their hearts and what really um, upsets them and makes them tick, call that out because that is the image of God. And with rest, use rest this week because I'm sure a lot, a lot of you are like me and you've been looking forward to Gold Rush for a long time this summer and just longing for that rest in God. So use it for that rest in God this week and cast your anxieties on him, cast your burdens on him. We can rest in him, guys, because God has a plan. He doesn't intend to leave his creation completely broken forever. And it didn't completely shock him when we sinned, that when we messed it up, he's like, well, what am I going to do now? No, God has a plan from the very, very beginning. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, um, God talks to to the serpent or the devil. And this is what he says to him. He says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And what he's saying here, guys, this is the first promise of Jesus in the Bible. He's saying that Jesus is going to come and he is going to absolutely destroy you, Satan. And all you're going to be able to do is strike his heel. God intends to send his son. He intends for him to live a life that is perfect and that is good to fulfill that longing in us. And I want to conclude with this quote. And it's by one of my very favorite pastors. His name is John Piper. And John Piper fans. So, um, and what he's talking about is the blood of Christ and how that's kind of a weird thing to go crazy over. And, you know, we sing about it and we praise the blood of Christ and his death on the cross. And that's kind of weird. And this is what he says about it. The blood of Christ is so infinitely costly that it can cover the very worst of lives and invite people out of the darkness of failing and bring them into a light of full and everlasting joy. Although we fail time and time and time and time and time again, although we are not that perfect tower anymore and we are broken, God has a plan to pull us out of that brokenness even though we fail every day and bring us into a full and everlasting joy. And guys, there's nothing fuller than full and nothing longer than everlasting. So I'd say this is a pretty good deal that God is offering us. His plan is really greater than anything that we could come up with. So as I close, I'm going to invite the band back up and um, close us in prayer and just kind of give you guys a little bit of time to reflect on what it is that you guys have kind of gotten from this night and to reflect on this tower. And maybe we can even put that quote um, back on the screen and just kind of spend some time with God and just see what he has to say for you guys. If you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much that you have a plan and that your plan is truly, truly greater than anything that we could have ever imagined. God, I pray for this week that we really, really would notice the image of God in in everything that we're doing, that we would point it out and that we would see that, yes, God, this is you. And yes, God, this is good. 
And I pray more than anything, God, that we would get unstuck in this broken state, that you would remind us of who Jesus is and you remind us of what he's done and that we wouldn't feel stuck in this brokenness, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.